everyone welcome to sixth body sword joining me today is tanu who is a graduate student in virology welcome to the show tanu hey everyone thanks for inviting me yes after uh, a month is it a month since the since the labs have been closed ah uh, yeah almost yes after a month now we are it's hard to count days i've you've stopped even stopped worrying about days and hours this is all a yeah. human construct time doesn't matter anymore <laughs> i was shocked to see that it's almost end of april and yeah. i didn't even realize it for quite a long time we have been having a lot of news about the therapeutics of coronavirus or covid 19 disease people want to get a therapeutic so that all those who are battling with the disease and do not have a sufficient immune response to fight it can be treated with this today we will talk about what all therapeutics are currently under trial which all according to our opinion have a good chance of succeeding what why are they succeeding and what are the mechanisms of action generally for these antiviral therapies so tanu are you ready to tell us something new yes <laughs> okay <laughs> So let's begin. Right before we uh, we start talking about the therapeutics themselves, there are certain terminology that we want you to understand. These terminology are very often used when when looking for a vaccine or therapeutic candidates. Yeah, when you are looking about papers about drug discovery or uh, testing any antimicrobials or antiviral compounds. this terminologies are often used yes so the first one is ic50 ic50 stands for inhibitory concentration 50 this is this is a representative of the concentration of a drug that inhibits 50% of viral replication Uh, like the pathogen replication yes let's say so in yeah. in in the uh, context of coronavirus i would call it a viral replication yes. but this is very general term used for a lot of things not actually it's used even in enzymatic uh, reactions mm-hmm. even for in- inhibitors that uh, inhibit enzymes you would use the same uh, terminology where ic50 means the concentration of the inhibitor that reduces enzymatic activity by 50%. Yes. Next is actually there's another term which is which is very close to IC50 and that is EC50. EC50 means effective concentration 50. Uh, the what it translates to in layman language is that if there is a concentration at which the drug works at its 100% potential that would you would call that ideally ec100 ec50 would be that concentration where the drugs works at 50% of its maximum capacity so it's not the same as ic50 it might sound similar but it's it's actually very different in some ways our next term is cc50 which stands for cytotoxic concentration 50 this is the concentration of a drug at which 50% of the cells die or there is a viability of 50% in cells this uh, there is another term called ld50 which is similar to C- uh, cc50 except that in ld50 which is lethal dose 50 we are talking about individuals or a population instead of cells 
So when a drug kills 50% of the cells, if we call it, uh, we call that concentration of drug as cell, uh, cytotoxic concentration 50. But when a drug kills 50% of the individuals, which could be animals or human patients, at a given concentration, we call that concentration the LD50, lethal dose 50. Next we have MOI, which stands for multiplicity of infection. This generally stands for how many infectious pathogen you have per cell, mm -hmm. per host cell. That means if you have like 10 viruses, but out of them only one is infectious and you are infecting them to one cell, that will be an MOI of one. Not so ten. one, no. Okay. No, one infectious virus for one cell. So MOI of one. And in case of bacterial infections, could we say if there is an MOI of 10, that means for every cell, we, there, is, there are 10 bacteria, certain bacteria in that cell. Yeah, that, and this is a completely theoretical term because you cannot regulate what is happening in your experiment. You can estimate the amount of the pathogen that you will be giving to the cells, but you cannot like regulate entry of exactly 10 pathogens in one cell. Okay, so what do you mean is if there's MOI of one, you are assuming that there's one pathogen for every cell, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean every cell is going to be infected in real life. Is yes, there may be some cells which are more infected and some cells which are not infected at all. Okay, our next term is therapeutic index. We just talked about IC50, which was inhibitory concentration 50, the concentration at which a drug inhibits 50% of whatever is inhibiting, a viral replication or an enzyme. CC50 would be the concentration at which this, the drug kills 50% of the cells. The therapeutic index is the ratio of IC50 and CC50. So it tells us, or it tells us about the window where this drug starts becoming effective and before it starts becoming toxic. So in an ideal world, the drugs the drugs that we use should have a high therapeutic index so that there is a very broad gap between their effectiveness and their uh, killing doses. Toxicity. Yes. Just imagine if you, if you had your <laughs> grandpa on some diabetes pills and you give him twice the dose one day by mistake, or he has twice the dose by himself because he forgot. Yeah, because he <laughs> forgot, because he also has amnesia now. Uh, but anyway, so because of that, if the therapeutic index of this drug was low, he would be, well, dead, <laughs> which yeah. is not no, the you, ideal. You case. want the range to be very, very different. You want the effective drug dose to be much smaller than the dose which can actually kill you. That's right. So with that, I think we have explained most of the terms initially, mm -hmm. and if there are any other terms, we can just talk about them in the middle yes. of the episode. Okay, let's start talking about the current stats and all which, which all drugs are in the trials. If we look at the current stats, currently the total confirmed cases of coronavirus in the world is 2,682,000 1,225 cases. That is not good. That is super high. And uh, as you know, US is the number one. 
So US itself has over 856,000 cases. Oh. Although I, so I agree that there are a lot of cases in the United States, but at the same time, I would also say that we have a lot of testing going on here compared to some countries where they might not be testing enough or they could be under-reporting as well. So it, there's no and denying again, that. when you say there is too much test, like enough testing going on in US, also it is only the people who have severe symptoms or who are in contact with the coronavirus, were in contact with the coronavirus patient. And as we know, there are multiple, so many pe- people who are having coronavirus but are asymptomatic. Oh yes, so we're uh, assuming we're not even testing enough people in, even in the United States. Mm-hmm. There are countries where they might not be having enough reporting or there could not, there might not be. They may be low in test kits or yes. there may be uh, poor medical facilities. That is there possible. are so many reasons. That is possible. But yeah, there's no denying that we have got a, a high amount of uh, of uh, people tested positive. Mm-hmm. It's, we are close to being 1 million in the yeah. United States itself. Yeah, and the total number of deaths in the whole world is 187. Thousand. Yes. And that's a lot. Yeah. So what are we doing to combat this? That means we seriously need a therapeutic. Right before we start, I I would just like to point out the difference between a therapeutic and a prophylactic. When you give the drug, drug, uh, before the disease takes place, you would call it a prophylactic. Vaccines are prophylaxis. When you give a drug, when after the disease has already happened you would call it therapeutic right now the vaccines i i don't know if they've started the clinical trials or not but it'll take at least a year for any vaccine to be approved because mm-hmm. vaccines have they have a very high bar for for safety let's say because it's you, not only that after you have the clinical trials you need to uh like some company needs to buy that Mm-hmm. and then produce it in mass bulk and that for that you need to make those kind of facilities you need to make those kind of uh, like hire those kind of scientists who mm-hmm. can help making it so basically it's like making a whole industry just for that vaccine and not our industry a but unit. multiple yeah. industries in multiple parts of the world to make the vaccines in bulk so that when it goes to the market it is in bulk and like people are not killing each other to for, get the vaccines yes, you, you want to make sure the vaccines are available for everybody mm-hmm. at the same time and even have, before no that yeah even before that you have you spend a lot of months for fda paperwork and drug trials paperwork yes, yes. and it, it's because vaccines are given to healthy individuals so the chance that you can make somebody who is already healthy make him sick is a lot compared to a drug that there are experimental drugs given to a lot of times cancer patients who are going to die just because you know there's not it, there's only very little window of making the condition even worse so that's why therapeutics are it's possible that you could give somebody a therapeutic when it's an experimental stage even though it's not uh, it's not cleared all the clinical trials because the Kind of, there is the requirement but for vaccines there is a strict regulation you have to you want, 
you have to make sure that they have cleared all the safety efficacy trials before they're out in the market mm-hmm. so right now we are going to talk about some of the therapeutics, uh, therapeutics. uh tanu tell us about something new uh so one of the thing which i guess everyone knows is the who mega trial which is a solid solidarity trial being carried out by who when i say solidarity it means that there are multiple countries like over 70 to 90 countries which are taking part in it and the whole world together is trying to reduce the time taken to produce some effective therapeutics and the large scale clinical trials and the time is reduced by almost 80%. Wow, such a nice time to stop funding for WHO. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that, let's not get political in this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Tanu, yeah, please okay. continue. <laughs> so, moving forward, there are four different kinds of drugs that the this mega trial by WHO is being tried out so let me before explaining about the drugs let me just tell you how the trial is being conducted so when you are sick you, f- you are feeling a uh, loss of breath and you are admitted in a hospital the physicians will record uh, your details like when you are admitted to the hospital what kind of ventilation or oxygen or medication you you have been given whether that's the hospital medication or whether that's the WHO trial drug and then it will be recorded whether the patient left the hospital that means he or she recovered or they died and mainly in europe they are also collecting lung images to just uh, add on to their data okay um since we are are we going to talk about clinical trials no but just for just for uh, the sake of our uh, listeners let me tell you the clinical trial has a particular format how it goes you we first start with a phase 0 clinical trial where we tr- test the drug in animals and see if they get better then once it's cleared for animals we go for phase 1 trial where we look at safety in people you you would take a small group of people uh, let them try the drug and just see if there are any side effects any harmful effects of the drug once that clears we move the drug to phase 2 where a small cohort of patients who are going who are suffering through the disease will uh, be given the drug and if that is cleared if they get better then we move to a phase 3 trial which is a lot of times the terminal stage before the drug it can be approved for usage in a phase 3 trial you have multi center trials with large cohorts that means you could have uh, trials going on in different places around the country or even around the world and this means you are looking at this drug's effect not only on certain races and not only a small population you're looking at every a different kind of races and different uh, number of people you're looking at large groups so it's this is the most important part of the clinical trial where you decide whether this drug will be out in the market or not and once the drug is out there is also a phase 4 trial which is continuously going on throughout the time where they just keep uh, val- uh, evaluating all the data that they're getting and trying to make if there are any changes required 
but the overall this is how it takes and it it can it all of this together can take about years many years to finish yeah so for this uh mega trial i'm assuming they have they... a fast track system yes. for sure because it's a pandemic now mm-hmm. uh, but even i'm not exactly sure of uh, like w- mm-hmm. whether it's in a phase of clinical trial or what exactly and a good part about using drugs that have already that so antiviral drugs that are already known to work in some other viruses is that you don't have to prove efficacy safety right because we know that they are safe in certain individuals Mm -hmm. even though not all individuals and at not all concentrations but it, they, they were safe enough that they were allowed approved for usage for some other disease yeah and additionally you know that animal studies have already been conducted on these drugs and there are industries already providing these drugs so if these drugs passes the clinical trials you don't have to start new facilities to produce them you just have to produce it in much more quantity yes that, that's why it's just easier to find a therapeutic that already exists and try to market it towards this disease instead of looking for something completely new which is in it ideally would might work better than anything that we already have but it will take a lot more time and we That's just a don't plan have that. B. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh thanks Jatin for adding the information. So let me continue with the four drug regimens that the mega trial of WHO is trying to use. So the first one we'll be discussing is chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine. Mm-hmm. And for now, I'll be just telling the basic mechanism, but we'll go into more, much more details about this drug. Mm-hmm. So the basic mechanism is they increase increase the pH of endosomes. Okay. So, do you want to? Yes. Uh, when when uh, first just a little bit about endo uh, endocytosis um, whenever let's assume there is a cell and there are certain particles hanging out outside the cell the cell could either through a receptor or without a receptor capture this particle from outside and take it in for whatever reason for could be for degradation if it's a phagocyte it could be for presentation on an mhc but overall this requires an a pathway called endocyto endocytic pathway mm-hmm. the uh, particle that's outside it it somewhat fuses with uh, with the membrane of the not fuses as in it it, it goes inside it goes inside and it there is a membrane formed around the so particle. It, the particle is basically now inside a vesicle inside the cell now assuming that the particle is a virus the virus needs the low ph which is a mechanism of endosomes to be forming into lysosomes so what happens is they the the proton pumps open up and somehow their the environment inside the endosomes become acidic and this acidic environment is very very much required for, by the viruses to fuse their capsid with the endocytes mm-hmm. and finally release their uh, new they release their genomic material into the cytoplasm okay and that's the mechanism of action for hydroxy hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine right the first set of drugs that we're going to talk yeah, about today. again the mechanism of ac- action is increasing the ph of endosomes and now if the 
in oh, yeah. pH is increased, the virus won't be fusing or releasing their genomic material into the cytoplasm. Okay, that means this this could work for a lot of viruses that require this low pH to get out and um, release their genomic material. At the mm-hmm. same time, I would like to just mention that hydroxychloroquine is also a drug for systemic lupus erythematosus, which is an autoimmune disease. Uh, there's multiple parts affected. The way this is this drug also acts as an anti-inflammatory drug. There are two ways that I know. One of them is that uh, TLRs, uh, toll-like receptors. Uh, certain that are in the endosome also require this uh, acidic pH to function properly, to take in their ligand, and this drug uh, disrupts that TLR signaling. Also, uh, the antigen-presenting pathway that requires the MHCs and the peptides to go um, and uh, to for the for the binding of the MHC and the peptide inside the endosomes that is also disrupted by this drug. So it's a similar mechanism, but has uh, long reaching effects. Another mechanism which the same drug uses is it hinders the terminal glycosylation of ACE2. And if you remember from our last episodes, ACE2 is the receptor, the binding and fusion receptor for SARS-CoV-2. So if there is any different in the receptor itself the virus won't get in the cell okay do you know how how the ACE2 is being affected the glycosylation I find it very unusual any idea no not for now (laughs) okay I'll I'll probably look up uh, online after this I'm pretty sure there will be different papers for the mechanism of the glycosylation of ACE2 hindering. The second drug that we'll be talking about is Remdesivir and Remdesivir is an adenosine analog so it mainly causes mutation in the virus genome during replication of it. Okay can you just tell us for a second what is an analog in this case? This is a nucleotide analog right? Yeah adenosine analog so Mm -hmm. in place of when the replication is happening, the DNTPs con- constantly comes and builds up the new g- genomic material. I'm calling genomic material because for this virus, it's RNA and not DNA. And when it's an adenosine analog, the polymerase or the whole replication machinery may sometime mistaken this compound for adenosine and put this compound in the um, chain okay. in the RNA chain and as soon as this compound is put in the RNA the replication terminates it stops yes. completely so the RNA is not totally formed and the RNA is no longer effective yes uh, similar this is called chain termination also yes. very similar to the Sanger sequencing method although there is a different kind of nucleotide there but just wanted to point out mm-hmm Okay, Tanu. Okay, the third regiment of drug is HIV drugs, which is lopinavir and ritonavir. And basically, these are protease inhibitors. So, some viruses have their own proteases, which are very important for their proteins to function effectively. And these drugs uh, have been shown in the case of HIV already to 
help in inhibiting the proteases. And the fourth regimen is the two HIV drugs, which is lopinavir and ritonavir, along with the immune supplement, which is interferon beta. Okay. So, Jatin, do you want to say why interferon beta is important? Yes, I'll I'll not go in deep details, but just something like from the virus perspective. Yes, interferon beta is is a type one interferon, and there are many genes downstream of interferon beta that get activated. One interferon uh, interferon beta signals inside a cell. Interesting thing is, a lot of cells have interferon beta receptors. That means a lot of cells can receive this and start their signaling. Also, a lot of cells are capable of making interferon beta. So this is important for a, a whole body response. Mm-hmm. There are certain uh, genes that are activated by interferon beta. Some of these genes, I won't name them just to avoid confusion, but some of these genes either interfere with viral replication. Some of these genes inhibit uh, viral entry. Some, mm-hmm. of the, some of these gene products actually bind to the membrane and make it stiff so that nothing can get in. So there is there are very important antiviral active effects of interferon yes. beta. In fact, I'll just point out uh, there is even a cell line that we are going to talk about in, in later in this episode. There is even a cell line that is devoid of interferon response, mm-hmm. and that cell line is used often to study virus replication. Just so the virus can grow in those. Yeah, kind because of cells. that's how strong interferons are. That they they protect they protect the cell from most of the virus mm-hmm. viral infections in fact a lot of viruses try to stop the interferon response to get inside the yes, cell yes that's a constant fight between viruses and interferons mm-hmm. and they like they have different mechanisms of tackling with each other yeah this were the four types of drugs or drug combination being used in the mega trial by WHO and now we'll be discussing more on chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine because that's the hype right that's the hype right now it's become <laughs> hydroxychloroquine is a that's political the issue miracle now. drug the hype yeah <laughs> All, everyone needs to stock it up now yeah. really <laughs> let's talk about let's it let's see let's see how it fares in uh, under the lens of science and not just looking through, at it through politics um tanu are you going to tell us about the study yeah, we found two interesting paper. The first one we'll be talking about is chloroquine is a potent inhibitor of SARS coronavirus infection and spread. And it is from uh, 2005 oh. in a virology journal. And this is basically for the first SARS coronavirus. And right after that, we'll be talking about the end. <clears throat> the next paper, hydroxychloroquine, a lex toxic uh, derivative of chloroquine, is effective in inhibiting SARS-CoV-2 infection in vitro. And this was published in March 2020 in Nature Cell Discovery. Okay, that's that's one month, uh, about one month old. Mm-hmm. And the authors are Jia Liu, the first author, and the corresponding author is Man Li Wang. Wang. Okay, let's start. Yeah. For the first paper, which is chloroquine is a potent inhibitor of SARS coronavirus infection and spread, the first author is Martin J. Vincent, and it is from uh, the corresponding author Stuart Nicole. Ah, so what this paper mainly says, Mm -hmm. 
it mainly shows that the chloroquine is advantageous against SARS-1, both prophylactically as well as therapeutically. Mm-hmm. So, so that means giving it before the infection takes place and after the infection. Yes. Specifically, when you give it before exposure to the virus, only 10 micromolar of chloroquine is 100% effective. So oh. it can reduce the infection by 100%. And a very important thing, the cells they are using here is Vero E6 cells. Mm-hmm. And the cells, as you know, Jatin, are kidney epithelial cells from African green monkey. Mm-hmm. And again, as you said, they are devoid in type 1 interferon response. So this is that particular cell line that's used very, very often for very testing often, viruses. Yes. Because they don't have any interferon system inside them. So they The are... virus can very easily grow in these cells. That's right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but when you give it after exposure to the virus, so when they're infected the virus with infected the viral cells with the virus and then gave it after three to five hours it required 33 to 100 micromolar to become around 90 to 94 percent effective so when you say effective that means 90 to 94 percent of the viral load was reduced yeah 90 to 94 percent of the infection was reduced in those cells and how okay infection how are they measuring infection in this again let's quickly check they are using uh fluorescent techniques oh is the virus expressing something oh they're using uh virus specific uh fluorescent tagged antibodies Uh okay so you have fitzy tagged antibodies yes fitzy is a fluorophore uh if you have once the virus infection is cleared, you have fewer uh, antibodies binding the virus because mm-hmm. it just has been cleared out. And or... hence less fluorescence in the microscopy. Yes. Just to be clear, I don't know if anybody has this question at all, but this is not killing the virus. This is inhibiting its replication. It is inhibiting its release and hence any further uh, replication or transcription or any further process that the virus was supposed to do. Yes, in fact, killing doesn't even make sense in terms of virus because is it live or not? <laughs> <laughs> that's another controversy. Okay, uh, so that's the whole paper basically. And after that, they talk more about ammonium chloride, which we won't be discussing in today's talk. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so it can effectively reduce the infection as well as spread in vitro again in vitro in a cell which is devoid of interferon response yes so uh, did they show it in in any epithelial cell line epithelial cell line like they just use the viral viral okay cells. and they did they not use any uh, primary cultures either um right? they didn't the, they didn't okay. no no animal study too Then again, in the second paper, which is hydroxychloroquine, a less toxic derivative of chloroquine is effective in inhibiting SARS-CoV-2 infection in vitro. They did a very small study, but of course, during this pandemic time, these studies are important and hence it got published in Nature. (laughs) It's 
it's amazing how in the second paper they say a less toxic derivative of chloroquine but in the first paper they say chloroquine is supposed to be very safe and non-toxic to yeah. people <laughs> well of course they're checking it in vero cell line <laughs> Uh, but but chloroquine is very very often used in malaria mal- malarial patients. Yeah, also interferon itself induces apoptosis. <laughs> so if you don't uh, have interferon system working, mm. then probably your cells are not dying because of interferons. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what they did in the second paper is a one-figure study. So they first saw that the hydroxychloroquine sulfate is 40% less toxic than chloroquine in animals and then they used vero e6 cells again again okay and then they said the cc50 of the chloroquine or the hydroxychloroquine is not any significantly different in this kind of cells yeah they're very similar 273 micromolar uh, for chloroquine and 249 for hydroxychloroquine mm-hmm. and then they did a dose response curve at four different MOIs against the SARS-CoV-2 virus and they saw that in this case the hydroxychloroquine was more effective at each particular MOIs. Mm-hmm. And lastly they did a immunofluorescence study in the presence of either chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine. So what they did here specifically is they are looking now under the microscope how the endosomes are uh, either the endosomes are turning into late endosomes mm-hmm. or lysosomes or they are just stopping in the early endosome phase itself they are using these two markers of uh, protein markers one of them is EEA1 which marks early endosomes and there's another marker called LAMP1 which marks uh, late endosomes or early lysosomes uh, they're using these markers to um, to spatially look at what which at which at which phase of this uh, this trans uh, should we say transformation or at which phase of this uh, they are checking it after pathway. yeah after multiple time points and checking if the in presence of chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine the process is just stopped in early endosomes and they're not turning into for the yes, and, and you see, and you see that by looking at this protein. If you have mm-hmm. this early, uh, early endosome protein, highly expressed, uh, when you when you have uh, a treatment of hydroxychloroquine, that means there is a lot of this protein accumulated, and very likely this the endosomes are not maturing into lysosomes. Yeah, and just so you know. Uh, the late endosome or the lysosomes is where the pH is lower and the virus can be released out. Okay. And in the early endosome, the virus is still inside the endosome and remains there. That's, that's, I, I'm convinced <laughs> <laughs> that it's, it's lowering the pH and preventing their maturation. Uh, how are you convinced I didn't even say the study? <laughs> I mean, I've, I've read the paper, so okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you re- read it once. Okay, so they see that uh, approximately 30 to 35% of variants were remaining in early endosome state, state itself after uh, the cells were treated with chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine and only 0.03 to 2.4% of viruses were 
in late endosomes or lysosomes. Okay. So and that's very con- convincing, right? Mm-hmm. And the MOI, they're using a low MOI as low as 0.01. Um, you, I, I, I've never worked with infectious diseases, not even with bacteria, so I don't know. Is that a very low MOI? or? It is a very low MOI. 0.01 is quite low MOI, but they use four different types of MOI, the highest being 0.8, which I think is closer to one and is still fine. Okay. For viruses, is that as high as you go usually? One? We can, we can go to like five or ten, but okay. rarely above and that. And does it depend on the virus? It depends on the virus. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> okay. So this paper also finally suggests that hydroxychloroquine can reduce the cytokine storm. As Jatin said, it is being used against autoimmune diseases. And this paper is suggesting that they are also significantly decreasing the production of pro-inflammatory cytokines. And as I'm saying, they are just suggesting or hypothesizing this stuff Mm -hmm. can also help in stopping the SARS-CoV-2. The, the cytokine storm, uh, the, the <laughs> symptoms related to the uh, lung damage. Mm. Right? That, um, I think that, we should do another episode on cytokine storm different, separately because se- there are multiple drugs which are targeting that, which is very, very different from the drugs which are targeting the virus or the virus mechanisms yeah and i i don't want to spoil anything for those who are <laughs> who are reading a lot of papers and want to look for our next episode but uh, one of the cytokines uh, interleukin 6 i read a study lately where they were actually able to uh, group different individuals who were interleukin 6 high or interleukin 6 low and they they found that most of the interleukin 6 high producing patients had severe disease so they were using it as a as a measure of disease. And TLR signaling causes uh, a lot of IL-6 secretion by cells. And guess which uh, which drug I just mentioned that uh, some somewhat hampers with TLR signaling. That's this drug. Hydroxyl. Yeah. Yes. Now, uh, let's not get our hopes high. This is only a cell culture study. A lot of things work in cells and very few things work in animals and then very few things work in anim- uh, humans eventually. How convincing are these papers, right? In yeah. in vitro, and there was a French study. Well, this French study all over the world is known as breakthrough French study, with which says 100% of coronavirus patients are cured with our treatments, said by the authors of this paper. <laughs> so, what exactly happened in this full peer-reviewed study? released by some uh, French scientist is they tried control patients which were without any drug then they had patients which were treated with just hydroxychloroquine and another few numbers of patients which were treated with hydroxychloroquine plus azithromycin okay and they treated 100% of the patients that is what they said so what exactly happened is they showed via qpcr that when only hydroxychloroquine so with qpcr they showed that the control patients throughout a period of six days had almost stable amount of the virus titer right which is like expected Mm -hmm. but then 
when you treat with hydroxychloroquine the patients which were treated with that had almost or about 50% of less virus titer 50%? in them 50% yeah by the 6 day mm-hmm. and then when they treated with hydroxychloroquine plus azithromycin guess what the percentage of people having virus titer were what what was it zero so there was 0% people with virus titers ooh that's and that's why they said 100% of our patients were treated with our miracle drug <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah you know what they say if it sounds too good to be true it's true <laughs> <laughs> so jatin after this friend study how convinced are you i'm very convinced i'm going to go right now and stock up on all the hydroxychloroquine that you can find in your clinic and toilet paper <laughs> toilet paper is always <laughs> yeah, there always in the there. list right <laughs> so would i would you be upset if i told you that this study was later found by scientists to be a total bullshit well i'll still go and buy toilet paper but <laughs> <laughs> i will i'll think but second. you will you'll cross off the drug from your yeah, list yeah, maybe now. not hydroxychloroquine <laughs> so tell me about this uh, this counter study it's not a it's there was a counter study yes mm-hmm. which showed uh when the concerns were taken into place there was literally no reduction mm-hmm. in viral titer in the patients but even before the counter study let me tell you the criticisms mm-hmm. that these people faced okay so jatin so you have published a paper right mm-hmm. can you tell me how much time it took for you to submit your paper and then finally get accepted and then published like approximately But it takes about I would say at least 3 or 4 months and assuming you have good amounts of corrections to make mm-hmm. it would be I mean you have to be really really good if it just you just sub- submit it and it gets published within a month yeah so the fastest i saw it was 2 months where you give the paper and then the reviewers criticize you or t- ask you to do new experiments and then you do them and then resubmit the paper and then it gets accepted and published and even if the reviewers love it it will like you are submitting your paper it will take at least 3 weeks for the reviewer to look at the paper read it thoroughly and then accept the paper mm-hmm. and maybe at least 2 days after that when it will be published that's right right Guess how much time this paper was reviewed for? I don't know. It was less than 24 hours. Oh, somebody was <laughs> desperate to get this paper out, which maybe is it is it due to the pressure? <laughs> <laughs> so you would think, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the authors was the journal's editor in chief. Oh, not shady at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, no more comments. <laughs> But that was one of the huge process of a uh, huge concern but other than that there were multiple concerns with the study design and with the data set so with the study design they complained like researchers complained that the treatment groups were not randomized at all oh and randomization is a key part in fact if you take any statistics course the first condition that you have to satisfy in order to perform any statistic analysis is that you must randomize 
to avoid any chance of bias in the study. Mm -hmm. And do you know which patients they put in the control group? All, all sick ones, ones about to die. <laughs> the patients which could not have the drug because they had some underlying medical conditions okay. which prevented them from having the drug were put into the control group. Now how shady is that? That is. <laughs> <laughs> and then there were concerns about the data set. So they say that so let me tell you before that, in an interview, the authors of this paper say that they don't believe in randomization. What? Uh, you don't just believe. I don't believe in, in the air. I don't believe in statistical analysis. My p-value of 90.98 is, is good for me. Okay. Uh, but the concerns related to the data set was that six of the treated patients who were treated with uh, the... HCQ plus azithromycin or just the hydroxychloroquine. So among them, two of them were non-compliant, so they stopped re responding and you cannot help that. So mm -hmm. you cannot do anything with that. But three of them entered ICU even while having the treatment mm -hmm. and one of them plain died. Oh. Okay. And what this uh, researchers did but they didn't consider those person people in their studies at yes, all outliers let's mark them <laughs> as outliers that's <laughs> because of because of these kind of studies there is a, an actual pushback on drugs that could actually work so this drug i don't know if hydroxychloroquine right now we don't have concrete evidence it's mm -hmm. still under trial but just because of this study now there might be actually more uh, skepticism about this drug after after this kind of uh, I, I don't know the manipulation of data yeah and also uh, people complained that this study was only conducted for six days and the results of patients were sporadic like in the sixth day most of the control uh, control group patients uh, report wasn't even provided okay. I mean they didn't include the data for a few patients from the control group in the very last day, which would have been super significant because the last day is important. Mm -hmm. And they just assumed that because previously these pe this people had the virus, so they were positive in the qPCR study, they also marked them as positive in the Towards sixth the day. Oh. So that was a complete assumption. That's so wrong. And many levels <laughs> so that was the study because of which people uh, had their adrenaline rush of going to the stores and buying it yeah. because their government and everyone was super supportive of this drug a lot of people got hyped up after this including some politicians <laughs> and and, uh, and the media yeah <clears throat> But also, if you just browse through previous literature review, uh, you can see that this drug is very, very effective in cell cultures mm -hmm. only. <laughs> so they are very unsuccessful in animal models as well as human models. For example, they were not effective against Ebola, Nipah virus, or influenza virus. They were... <clears throat> Uh, in fact, doing the reverse for chikungunya. So in ch case of chikungunya, there were 
in fact enhanced replication of the virus in place of stopping the virus from replicating so that's a total role reversal and for trials in human patients uh it went it was seen that in case of dengue it was not effective it in case of hiv patients it was not effective or inconclusive so mostly this drug wasn't a very effective one in most of the trials that it uh, okay for just looking at other anti uh, other viruses that it has been tried yeah, for yeah yes okay and the worst thing about this is there are concerns with its uh, unregulated use among people but it is openly being sold in market mm-hmm. so one of them is as oh is it an over the counter you know i don't exactly know but when you tell someone to stock it up i would assume that it's over the counter okay. <laughs> but even even if i don't assume it it's not a very difficult drug to find it's a very very easy to find drug So one of the concerns with unregulated use in human is as Jatin you told that they are being used for uh patients with autoimmunity. <clears throat> so if you just take the drug the people who actually really need it won't get the drug for their treatment. Yes, that's another problem. You want people who are actually prescribed this drug by the doctors mm-hmm. who they should get it. This, for for covid-19 i don't think any sane doctor or any health organization has officially said that this should be taken not counting president as a, and a health or the trials of, yeah. yeah yeah there are no trials either for covid-19 um i mean if you are doing a tr- trial for this drug then maybe the doctor may have given you mm-hmm. but other than that i don't think anyone should prescribe it because it's not a proven one yes and on top of that there is a very narrow range between the therapeutic dose and the toxic dose of this drug so if you have a little too much of this drug you can it can end up being a fatal case oh <laughs> so yeah <laughs> the grandpa things, the grandpa <laughs> hypothesis can happen here yeah I, i'm not giving it to my grandpa my hypothetical <laughs> grandpa <laughs> With that we can move on to the last study. This is a, a research paper that came out this Very month. Recently. <laughs> this yeah. month, yeah, 6th uh, of April. 6th of April and it says an orally bioavailable broad spectrum antiviral inhibits SARS-CoV-2 in human airway epithelial cell cultures and multiple coronaviruses in mice. This is from Tim P. Sheehan and from the lab of Perik. Uh, this was published in Science Translational Medicine. This is about a drug called beta D N4 hydroxycytidine, which is in an a nucleoside analog. Mm-hmm. That that sounds similar, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> yes. commonly known as EIDD 1931. So actually, EIDD 1931 is the more bioavailable form of this drug. Mm-hmm. That drug is it's uh, that is the pro drug. for okay. this one. So okay. when when you give EIDD how oh, what that name 1931. is 1931 <laughs> uh 
there are metabolic enzymes in our body convert that to the beta D and for hydroxy cytidine for this uh, for this whole podcast I'll just call it NHC to keep myself sane yeah <laughs> not making it, it sound t- t- tongue twister every time I'd say it so NHC is a is a nucleoside analog similar to remdesivir although it doesn't work the same way we're going to mm-hmm. find out it's it's an analog that looks like cytosine cytidine right uh, so uh, ideally if you just hypothesize how it would work just looking at its structure you would think that uh, the rna dependent rna polymerase would use this drug instead of uh, use this drug and mistaking it for actual site uh, dntc mm. i mean dctp not NTC, <laughs> the cytidine triphosphate, and it will get confused. So that's that's our hypothesis. That's how it should work. But uh, usually, drugs are tested for their mechanism of action later, once they have been proven to work. So there is no point of finding out how it works when it does not work. So first, you screen the drug, and then you find out the mechanism. Yes. So the first screening that they did. It was so they in this study they have done uh, the screening of this drug or actually three diseases, uh, the one caused by SARS-CoV-1, SARS-CoV-2, and MERS as well. Um, in the first in the first figure of this study, they they show that NHC potently inhibits MERS-CoV and newly emerging SARS-CoV-2 replication. They're using an epithelial human epithelial cell line which is CalU3. It's a human airway lung cell line. So, so it's, it's physiologically relevant. That's somewhat good. relevant, more relevant than Vero. Vero, Vero. for sure. Yeah, because Vero is just a model for any kind of virus. This, uh, These CalU3 are more close to being naturally, like real epithelial cells from the lungs. Mm-hmm. And they find out that the IC50 is very low. I'll just not put the numbers there. But yeah, IC50 is very low, about 0.15. And the therapeutic index is actually 100. That means there's a difference of 100 fold between the inhibitory concentration 50 and the the, uh, cell cytotoxicity, cytotoxic concentration (laughs) 50, which is a good range in my opinion. And so they actually showed that this inhibits both the viruses, MERS-CoV and SARS-CoV-2. They also looked at Vero cells and they found something similar that it does prevent in there. Next, they'll go for primary human airway epithelial cells. Hmm. Primary cells are the ones that are isolated from the organism directly uh, compared to cell lines that have been immortalized. So they have some artificial uh, so they, ha- they are not complete representative of what happens in naturally mm-hmm. but a primary cell line is closer a- as close as you can get in cell culture in in vitro studies um, they are looking at these cells and they find out a similar thing first of all they check if nhc itself is altering gene expression because this is a, a nucleoside analog it mm-hmm. could also uh, interfere with cells own handling and I'm pretty sure that if it was given very high concentration, it would. But at the concentration where it's killing the virus, it seems to be not altering gene expression inside the cells, which is good. You don't want this to change anything. It still has a very low IC50 in these primary cells, and it's reducing uh, genomic RNA from the virus. So that's, that's that sounds good, right? Mm-hmm. I want to say that they we do not have currently any mouse model for uh, SARS-CoV-2, um, 
there are two ways that we could make a mouse model. One way is that we could mutate the virus so that it starts binding to mouse mouse proteins, mm -hmm. which I don't know if that is very relevant. Yeah. Because if you mutate it, it's no longer that virus, right? Yeah. But there's another way where you can mutate the mouse to make it express the human uh, receptor. Human receptor, uh, the human ACE2, so that this mice mouse will be able to uh, this virus will be able to replicate assuming that that cell also allows replication yeah after entry so yeah there are these ways that are possible but yeah for now we don't have any mouse we, models the last i heard we had ferret models for sars-cov-2 okay can you t can you tell us a little bit about ferret models uh, wh why are ferrets so, used basically there was a whole study showing the ferrets were a much better model for sars-cov-2 compared to any other animal and that's because um their way of transmission of the virus as well as their immune system is very similar to that of human oh and that's all i remember <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah maybe they don't they don't have ferret housing in their in their <laughs> animal house department but yeah they did not work on mouse models for sars-cov-2 however they they did uh use some mouse models for mers and sars-1 by the way they are also looking at this particular uh resistant strain called the remdesivir resistant virus that is a, a kind of SARS-CoV which has these two mutations the uh, a, a phenylalanine 480 to leucine and valine 550 to leucine mutations because of these two mutations in the RNA dependent RNA polymerase it no longer binds to remdesivir as much mm -hmm. so it's like this mutation is helping the the polymerase recognize what is the real NTP mm, from this That's so intelligent. That is so, in I mean, viruses are lucky. <laughs> that's <laughs> so fortunate for this virus. They show that this NHC actually also is effective against this remdesivir resistant virus wow. stain, which is nice. Mm -hmm. And so we already know how remdesivir works. Tanu just told us that it works through chain termination. Yes. And you would expect NHC to work in the same way, but it does not. NHC works by inducing mutations. Uh, Tanu, can you tell us about this mutation, how it helps uh, these viruses? I mean, helps our us <laughs> to fight these viruses. <laughs> so the process exactly is known as lethal mutagenesis. So RNA virus itself, they mutate so fast. They are... Uh, their rate of mutation is very very high are you comparing them to dna viruses i'm comparing them to any living or non-living thing <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so their <laughs> rate of mutation is very fast and they can survive and because their rate of mutation is so fast that means there is a error error threshold so any mutation above or below though that error threshold will basically kill the whole population you mean above the threshold not below because everything will be below, yeah right? i'm so sorry <laughs> above the threshold will kill the whole population and because this rna viruses mutate so fast they barely survive at their error threshold so okay. they're like surviving at the borderline of their error threshold and now if you introduce any compound which by any way 
is increasing the rate even more mm -hmm. or causing higher frequency of mutation in these viruses the whole population is vulnerable to getting extinct of this virus because now the mutations that will happen inside the virus will be lethal or deleterious mutation that means the very important uh, genes which are producing very very important proteins will be mutated now okay so that means this is working very different this yes. is actually causing mutagenesis in the virus and making the mut mutation so high mutation rate so high mm -hmm. that it's called is adding some lethal effect to this virus Yes. Oh, that which is different from remdesivir, which, which is just plain stopping stops the replication. RNA okay. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. It's <laughs> you would expect them to work similarly, but they don't. Mm -hmm. Overall, they 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 report this uh, activity of this of uh, this drug of uh, increasing the mutation rate over error threshold and making it making the virus disappear in that way. Yes. In the end. They show that this drug, so now uh, NHC is this active molecule. There is the prodrug EID the 280, mm -hmm. which is it, the when I say prodrug, that means it requires some enzymatic activity to cleave it to its finally bioactive form. This and they're using this uh, EIDD 280 because it's it, they say that it's more bioavailable. It's very well distributed throughout the body compared to NHC itself. And I'm assuming there is some metabolic enzyme in the liver that's going to convert this to its active form. But yeah, this drug, the pro drug, is actually uh, successful in preventing replication of SARS-CoV. The murine SARS-CoV, which is slight variant of the mm -hmm. human SARS-CoV, and MERS in C57 black six mice. Um, this is still murine models, nowhere close to humans, right? But it's still better than uh, cell culture studies. And it's going to take some time for this drug to reach clinical trials, of course. Really, Jatin? The last I heard, <laughs> this was already approved by FDA for clinical trial. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, so this is, <laughs> this seems to, things seems to be going very far and I am not updated. <laughs> but anyway, so they have shown prophylactic potential of this drug in the mouse mm -hmm. against, um, against SARS-CoV and MERS. They showed prophylactic and therapeutic potential against uh, SARS-CoV-2 in cell cultures because they don't have a mouse model and I assume they don't have ferrets <laughs> mm. to look at it. But anyway, they also showed therapeutic potential of this drug in MERS-CoV and SARS-CoV. However, the therapeutic potential goes down with time. So if you treat them with 20 to 12 hours after infection, yeah. it works the best. Mm -hmm. But then the response goes down by 24 hours post-infection mm -hmm. and even worse, for 48 hours post-infection. So assuming this is a drug that we might be taking in future, let's assume that, which that means that we means would after want to... 14 days of incubation period, <laughs> uh, we exactly don't know whether these drugs how much not, amount yeah. of the drug we will be needing. But because it's under clinical trial, I'm pretty sure we'll be getting more information about this drug now. We will. And with that, I think we have discussed a lot about drugs, the four drugs, that uh, not everything about those four drugs, but at least hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine. Mm -hmm. And then about this NHC that I feel very excited about. Yeah. So Tanu, thanks a lot for joining me today. 
Thank you for what inviting would I me. What I do I'm without so... you in this uh, <laughs> in this time of where virologists are hogging all the limelight? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, people are asking immunologists too, so it's not that bad. <laughs> no, you you are always there. Immunologist <laughs> is always required. We will always be required, and I'm telling to all the new generation. Uh, immunology is fun. It's <laughs> applicable everywhere. I know it's difficult to understand, but just just sit tight and try to understand some concepts. It's it's very interesting. Wherever you're going in biological sciences, you're probably going to need this. Yeah, <laughs> immunology is required everywhere if you want to deal with humans mostly. <laughs> yes, especially for humans. With that, we'll end today's episode. Uh, check it out. Check us out at Facebook. I am not active on Twitter right now but you can still follow me on Twitter and if I see followers I might be active there. Mm-hmm. Um with that we will be ending our episode. Do send us emails. Yeah, let us you... know if you especially want some papers or some topics to be discussed uh in this podcast. Yes. And we would really really love to get your feedback. For sure, your feedback. That's it. Thanks a lot guys. Bye bye. Thank you. Stay safe.